Mind, Body, and Roll is a podcast presented by a psychologist and a physician discussing issues of the brain and body in roller derby. Although Drs. Coxon and Toubet are both trained professionals, their intent in this forum is solely to educate and inform. The information given in this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a trained, licensed medical professional. Mind, Body and Roll is a podcast made by derby skaters for derby skaters. Welcome to the long-awaited episode 14 of Mind, Body and Roll, a podcast providing expert insight on the body and brain of a roller derby athlete from your favourite doctors on wheels. I'm Asterisk, a blocker and psychologist, and I'd skate with Suffolk Roller Derby, although I am on hiatus at the moment. I know the league have gone back, but I have not. And I'm Spanky. I'm a roller derby jammer and a family physician, and I've just joined a new league back in the US. So this is now truly an international transatlantic (laughs) podcast. And even though it feels exactly the same as a year ago when we were talking to each other over Zoom. (laughs) You're so far away. You're so know, far away. Yeah, yeah. Before we started recording, we just kind of had a little catch up because we haven't spoken in ages because this whole, yeah. we're still in a pandemic. If you're listening to this at a later date, we are still in the grips of a pandemic and the leagues are slowly going back. I know you were saying that your league are, are fully vaccinated. We're back. Yeah. Fully mm-hmm. vaccinated league. It's amazing. It's really feels good to be playing roller derby in a safe space. Mm-hmm. So I hope everybody out there is staying safe and starting to cautiously, you know, do normal things. The hardest part of this recording, I think, is the time difference because Astrid looks so very chipper and happy and has bright light in her office. And I'm just not even a quarter of the way through my first cup of coffee. Spanky (laughs) is mainlining the coffee, whereas I've just had my lunch (laughs) and I'm like halfway through my Friday and I'm ready for the weekend. It's really (laughs) tricky. Yeah, it's no fun. I mean, it is fun having English friends, but it's hard. It's so hard. So what are we talking about today, Spanky? It's your favorite You know topic. what know, we're going to talk about today. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that you actually are the one who suggested this topic, even though it's kind of my favorite topic in the entire universe. We're going to be talking about the menstrual cycle. Yay. It's a Yay. period piece. <laughs> <laughs> I I am surprised it took us this long to talk about this particular topic because as a a female kind of dominated sport, this is something that affects a large percentage of the players, of the body of sports people in this sport. So people who have periods. And I I think we should probably make a caveat that if either of us uses the word women or female, um, we want to apologise in advance. We are trying our best to uh, use inclusive language because we realise it's not just women who have periods and not all women have periods. Um, So we will try and use people who menstruate or people who have periods going forwards. But apologies in advance if we do slip Mm -hmm. up. Why do you think we didn't talk about periods? till now so i'm curious about mm, your perspective because i'm wondering if the english perspective is different from the u.s perspective well so from a from a uk perspective and i i mean i can't speak for every uk based person but i i know from my own experiences that periods are really taboo subjects growing up and i'm just thinking about like adverts on tv where you don't you never see any blood it's always blue liquid Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> adverts right. for like sanitary towels and stuff. It's it's really kind of sh- surrounded by shame. We don't talk about periods. It's a dirty subject, and it's and I, I wonder how much that infiltrates the way we just talk about the topic in general. It's something you keep hush hush. And I I remember going to school and having my first periods and just being like, okay, well I'm not going to play sport today, or I'm not going to you know I'm going to be very careful about what I do and, and things because you don't want anyone to know because it's very shameful. It's very taboo. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience? I, I think that, yeah, the advertising thing and the, yeah, the idea of it being something you just don't talk about. That's probably definitely true. It's hard for me to remember what it was like before doctorhood. I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit of that, like I have totally been torn down and rebuilt as a new person. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just not as much of an issue for me. And I can hardly even remember what it was like before I was like, oh yes, periods, another physiologic function that we all have. That is no big deal. (laughs) But so I I don't remember much trauma around the initiation of, of all that as a kid. And also there's, I think in the leagues that I started skating with, I I skated all in completely female leagues, except for at Suffolk. And there was a lot more period talk in those leagues. Oh, I mean, I think it is something we tend to talk about more with other female presenting people because we know it's a shared experience, right? It's assumed to be a shared experience that we're all, you know, menstruating. And mm. so there is comfort in that, I think, but there's also, I don't know, it for me personally, when I hear people talking about periods, I often what I often hear people talking about is how horrible their periods are and how medicine or their physician has not been able to help them. And that makes me really sad. So that's one of the reasons I I was very excited when you proposed this podcast. And of course, I medicalized it a lot. I was like, oh, we can talk about this, 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 and this. And you were like, um. (laughs) Yeah, I I must let the listeners know that I've had to rein in Spanky at several points where she's just written these copious notes of all these different aspects of periods that we could talk about. And I was like, okay, but let's remember that we're talking about roller derby first and foremost. <laughs> and I am very cognizant that not all of our listeners have uteruses and not in, you know, and some of them are not, do not identify as anything remotely close to female. So for all of you out there who are listening, I hope you haven't stopped yet because this podcast is still for you. This is, I feel like this uh, information is useful to everyone. And there has been a lot of research about menstrual cycles and hormones in sports. So if you are a coach, if you're a referee, if you are a person who cares about a person who skates and has a uterus, this might be interesting for you. So please don't, please don't stop. Don't push pause. You, you are you are part of the solution. You yes. you are part of the breaking down that taboo and making it uh, a safe space to be able to talk about menstruating and because it's it's part of life for a lot of people. Yeah. So w- one thing I think that the one of the reasons I got really into the pathophysiology and the the sort of nitty gritty of periods when I started thinking about this is that I find it very difficult to admit or talk about the fact that periods might actually affect my behavior or function. Mm. And I think a lot of that does come from being a professional woman who had to, you know, jump through all the hoops, a lot of sexist hoop, honestly, as far as medical training goes. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of women, a lot of skaters with uteruses have this experience where you kind of feel like you can't admit any kind of differences or 
challenges as a woman because mm-hmm. it it would put you at a disadvantage uh honestly does that make sense yep yeah and i'm just thinking about a lot of sexist language that comes out that, that a lot of people with uteruses experience about you know pmsing and oh it's that time of the month and using that as a i guess a, to diminish people to diminish what they're going through or emotions that they might be experiencing or, yeah, minimizing some of the struggles that we face in corporate environments, in professional environments. Um, Talk a lot of language about, you know, how men are typically seen as assertive, whereas women are seen as aggressive or emotional, even if we might be displaying the same behaviors. So, uh, yeah, to, to kind of plaster over any sort of difference and yeah, yeah. diminish diminish our i guess femaleness to for want of right. a better word to to show that we are equal or you know as good as our male counterparts in the in the workforce and i wonder how much that infiltrates into sport as well generally right. so then- yeah you had sent me some really interesting studies about how hormones affect sport performance. And I was not interested at all. I was like, I don't even want to consider the fact that my hormones might affect anything about my performance or capabilities. This is like my, the best and the worst thing about this podcast is that I have to, every time we do this, I have to learn things and it's (laughs) awesome, but it's also really freaking hard because like, I realize that what I want to be true is not always exactly what actually is true. And there is some truth to the the differences in the way our bodies work um, when our hormones are in different phases of the cycle. Some truth, but that some does not, truth. yeah, that does not have to dictate what we do. It doesn't have to be the one thing that defines our performance or our activities or our enjoyment of sport. But I think, mm. I think now that I've learned that this is actually a real thing, and not just something maybe that the patriarchy is doing to keep me down. I want, I think we, it would be good to talk about sort of like what, what do those hormones do and how much should we pay attention to them? So yeah, absolutely. So, so educate me spanky. Cause I think one of the reasons that I came to you with the, like, we should do this as a topic for a, an episode is because over lockdown, I've been in the gym a lot. Not so much lately. It's gotten cold and I've gotten, you know, lost focus, but I was in the gym one day and I, I was really struggling. I was like, why is this? is this anything to do with periods? You know, is this to do with hormones? And I started doing a little bit of reading and I, you know, found some anecdotal evidence, but also I knew there was a bigger story here. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ask a medic. (laughs) And that's where you come in. So yeah, I was, yeah. (laughs) My response was like, oh, I don't deal with that normal stuff. I just do pathology. Like that was literally my response. Like, I don't care. Like it's not killing you. Go work out. <laughs> yeah, was was I just using that as an excuse? I don't know. Who knows? But um, so, why should roller derby athletes be thinking about periods and menstruation? Well, I think the the big answer, as far as like, will it kill you? Is this a big deal? Is there pathology involved? For most people, probably not. Probably periods are a very sort of minor aspect of their their lives. From a medical aspect, yeah, there are some things you really do need to know about your periods that could be indicators of a serious problem. So mm-hmm. we're, we'll review that. We'll review that. As far as day-to-day function and skater function, I'm actually now a convert to the idea that it okay. there may be some use in keeping track of what your hormones are doing and kind of understanding what your hormones are doing um, and letting that 
help boost your performance and boost your training. And it does not have to get in the way of your training. There's a lot of information in the popular press about how do, how do periods affect sport performance. And most of the stuff I've read in the popular press is uh, hyped a little more than the actual evidence would, would suggest is is accurate. But looking at the, when I saw all this information in the popular press, it made me go, what, what is the true evidence behind, Mm. you know, possible changes in, in performance because of the menstrual cycle. And I was very relieved to find that my gut reaction of like, what, this makes no sense that that can't possibly be true. That, that gut reaction was pretty accurate. We do know that women are at higher risk of some injuries than men, and it's possibly related to hormones. So that Mm -hmm. is absolutely true. Um, One example is ACL injuries. That's the classic example. So anterior cruciate ligaments of the knee, women are three to five times more likely to have ACL injuries than men. Um, And that's been known for a really, really long time. And um, no one knows exactly why, but part of it is body shape. Part of it is, is also probably hormones, but we haven't nailed down exactly which hormone and how, and there have been some very recent studies actually that have compiled data from other studies and have looked at thousands and thousands of athletes. And it is possible that there are certain parts of the menstrual cycle where those types of injuries are more common, but it's only just still possible. So Mm -hmm. there's really... I don't think people need to walk around worrying, oh my gosh, I'm on my period. I'm going to injure myself. If there was an increased risk of injury, it would actually not be during your period at all. It would probably be earlier in your cycle. Okay. Uh, Maybe, maybe around the time of ovulation, maybe around whatever time in your cycle, your estrogen levels are highest. So the data around injury is really not very good. So I was able to check that off my little list of like mm-hmm. reasons why I don't want to have to think about periods making me a, <laughs> an inferior athlete. So check that one off. You know, it's just so interesting from my perspective as a oh. non-medic because mm-hmm. you know you remember when we had the pregnancy episodes and you were talking about injury there because of the was the ligament loosening hormone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is uh, that falls exactly into this category of mm-hmm. of theoretical physiologic effects of okay. hormones. So yeah, the hormone relaxin and and levels of that hormone do change throughout the menstrual cycle as well. Mm-hmm. So while it is theoretically possible. We don't really have any good data that that suggests that this is really a thing that people need to be worrying about. Yeah. On my first reading of articles like that, a little part of my brain is like, why are people still trying to find ways to like tell us that we're not as good, that we're going to fail before we even start? So I just want to be really clear with folks about periods. I'm glad you're listening. I I hope I can convert you as I have been converted into the sort of tracking menstruation and thinking about it a little more camp. But if you don't want to know this stuff or think about this stuff, that is totally okay. It doesn't have to define who you are. And in fact, I want to, we should all be exercising more because we have periods, if nothing else. Periods should not get in the way of our our exercise, our derby training, our playing, any of that stuff. In fact, there's some of the really good data that we have is very, very supportive of sport and um, exercise during menses. For example, for um, painful periods, we call that dysmenorrhea in the medical world, uh, a huge 
study reviewing a bunch of different trials actually showed that exercise was therapeutic for painful periods. So exercising while you're on your period can improve period pain. So this is an example of ways in which our activity can, we can sort of modulate our activity and also modulate our hormones and also take better care of ourselves by knowing more, knowing more about the physiology behind all this stuff. Okay. So that's, there's, there's a really uh, valuable take home message there. Cause I think the instinct is, Oh God, I'm having a painful period. I'm not going anywhere near any sort of exercise. I'm just going to sit on the sofa with a hot water bottle on my stomach and wait for it to go away. But you're saying that there's almost like um, uh, an analgesic effect of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that we know exactly the mechanism because in these big studies where we get good data, it's hard to drill down to individual causes. We're looking at effects and effect size. And so just looking at symptoms of painful periods, we find that exercise improves those. It improves pain. And here's a much less uh, scientific poll. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am in this massive uh, women's Facebook group for for female physicians. And in one particular poll in this group, someone asked, Hey, how do you, what do you, what, how much activity, how much exercise do you do during your periods? And the vast majority of female physicians said, my periods do not affect my exercise. Uh, A big chunk of people said, oh yeah, exercise makes me feel better. A very, very much smaller number of women said, maybe I don't exercise on my heaviest flow day. A few people said, no, I don't exercise at all on my periods, but those were mostly people who didn't really exercise much anyway. So that again is reflective maybe of the, the professional woman experience, women who are working in fields that are very male dominated, Mm -hmm. typically, you know, we're sort of trained to power through and mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of relieved to know that the evidence supports that, like that. Yes. Okay. We are, we are supposed to, we're allowed to, to ignore our periods. We should, however, talk about the fact that there are lots of women who cannot ignore their periods. Do you know anyone like this? Astrid, I won't make you drop any names, but I, I remember like growing up with someone who who said, you know, her mom had such bad period pains that she used to have be prescribed morphine to help manage that pain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, period pain is it's it's very very common. So up to seventy percent of women under the age of twenty five have dysmenorrhea, painful periods. And, uh, you know, the degree varies quite a bit, but it is very, very common. And the closer you are to, you know, the beginning of your whole menstrual life cycle, uh, the younger you are, the more likely you are to have pain with periods. So that is definitely something that is an issue. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about managing painful periods. It's, it is shockingly common. Um, and we, that's the crazy thing. We don't talk about it Mm. much. The minute that it's mentioned, I feel like there's this like explosion of like angst about Mm -hmm. periods. I hear a surprisingly high number of people saying that they just want their uteruses out because it's just like Mm -hmm. torturing them. And that's like, again, that's, that makes me sad as a doctor. I feel like nobody should suffer like that. So, but the reality is that hormones do affect us. They, they affect all of us. And it's, I think it's, it's helpful to know that like you are, you are not alone with your symptoms um, and there are solutions to your symptoms. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned when you were talking about the poll in the the female physician 
Facebook group you're in is, is some people said I, they don't exercise on their heaviest flow day. And maybe that's something we should talk about is the practicality actually of, of how periods affect us. And I think one of the things that I imagine, and I, I say I imagine because full disclosure, I have a coil fitted and I haven't had a period for about five years now, which is it's not yes. something I worry about, but it's something that I worry about for when, you know, when I eventually come off that, if I want to have kids or whatever. Yeah. Hold on. Aside for American listeners, a coil is the British term for IUD. Yes. I was very c- confused. When I oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love all this. Let's, let's do the language translation thing. <laughs> totally. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, but I, I, so I've never played roller derby when having a period ah. it's never been something I've considered but I do wonder you know how how I would deal with that because that that always worried me when I was a teenager at school like doing PE or phys ed or you know sports at school was I never wanted to do it while I was on my period because it terrified me the thought of getting caught short or you know bleeding um and yeah and just being embarrassed I guess in front of my peers and I do wonder how other roller derby athletes worry about, do they worry about that? Or is it just yeah. kind of, you know, and yeah. I imagine that differs from league to league. I imagine it's kind of something worried, people worry about more in in um, open to all gender leagues in a way that maybe right. don't, don't worry so much about in a the league. I wonder what your experience is. Right, right. Um, I mean, I have, I think that horror stories about periods starting during a game, during a bout mm. are rampant on Facebook. And I definitely had lots of, I've heard tons of comments about, yeah, the, the flood. Oh my God, the leaking. This is horrible. My tampon got punched out of Shot me. During the the game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It's like, it is a, it is like a, the old, the urban, the mm-hmm. urban horror story of, of periods is definitely a thing. I, again, I didn't, I didn't hear it much at our co-ed league, but it's out there. And uh, the good news is, oh yeah. When, when I was, you know, when we were young, I think when we were all younger, there was, there were sort of two options to manage period blood. It was, there were pads and there were tampons and that was kind of it. But like, there are so many options now. I'm so happy for my daughter because period pants, Mm. period underwear for our American listeners, those things are freaking amazing. You just put them on and you don't have to worry about it. So I would, I would highly advocate people check those out if they're not, if they're not using those. And then menstrual cups and menstrual discs are relatively new to me, who isn't as an older person, they seem new probably to a lot of our younger skaters are like, what are you talking about? I've been using those since the day I was born. Um, but yeah, I don't think we need to go into to tons of detail about, about those, but I medically, I encourage people to explore and talk about all the possible methods of bleeding control with their, with all of their friends all the time, because, um, you can learn so much about how, just how to avoid the the stress of periods of the actual bleeding aspect. I do the same. I, I would encourage people to, yeah, explore what is out there and, and try and push back against this. And I, I'm guilty of it myself, push back against this, this desire to keep this secret and keep this something that doesn't get talked about because you know that I come across this a lot in my psychotherapeutic work I think you'd be really surprised how many people struggle with the same things that you do and mm. you're never going to know you know what options are out there or what might help you if you don't talk about it with other people mm. yeah and I think that um the, the the presence of males around us it, that definitely changes the dynamic a lot mm. I mean I I, get, I definitely get the feeling men do not want to hear about it they don't want to talk about it they're grossed out by it like I'm I, I think and I think that my instinct to just not discuss it around male people is 
I'm sort of bowing to their discomfort with the whole situation, which is, I mean, as a gender, women are sort of pushing back like, around that, that discomfort around breastfeeding, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's we're still not even close with breastfeeding. I think mm-hmm. as far as with periods, we're like even farther behind, but I was really encouraged by uh, a study that I saw, you know, if you get into the sport literature, especially female sport literature, people are asking all these questions and it's less of a big taboo deal um, for the people who are experts at, at sport performance. And mm. there was one study that asked, they, they surveyed male coaches like, Hey, what do you want to know about periods? And these, these men were all like extremely curious. And they also expressed this discomfort around talking about it because of all the same taboos that we all live under. You know, if, if periods are brought up by a man, my immediate reaction is, as we've discussed, like, it's none of your business. It doesn't affect who I am. And, you know, how dare you accuse me of being lesser? So, but there are coaches who, who work with female athletes who really care about performance. They, they want to be helpful. They want to know they, they want to, you know, if they're noticing their athlete is acting differently, they want to, you know, help them. That's what a coach is supposed to do. So that was encouraging to me that there is like this movement in, in sport, in sport research, at least at the higher levels to like, to not make it this, this big taboo thing. Mm-hmm. So all of our, our male folks out there who are listening, I don't know that I would advise you to walk around asking, <laughs> asking people if they're on their period, I would probably advise against that. Oh dear. But I don't know. What advice would you give men about this whole conversation? I just, I guess, just just to be sensitive to the fact that there are going to be things that, yeah, you don't understand, and but that's kind of okay. Um, you need to to demonstrate that you are willing to learn and willing to educate yourself, and not to not to react like this is shocking to you or that you don't, oh, I don't want to hear about that. That's, that's something that I, I oft, often see in cis men is like, you mentioned periods and they go, don't tell me, I don't want to know. You know, like you've, you've said something that's really disgusting and okay, well then that just indicates to me that you're not a safe person to, for me to talk about when I am struggling with period pain or, you know, anything related to that. Um, then why would I confide in you in future for other things? Cause if I, if you react like that, if I just even mentioned periods, then we'll, <laughs> exactly. I'm less likely to talk to you about any other problems I'm going yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. And I listened to a, a podcast that was really excellent by some of the leading researchers in, um, you know, female sport and athlete training. And and here here is the info that should convert men and women and binary people alike regarding periods is that we can optimize our training around our cycles if we know about them. And that that is not, you know, like we you know, the, the royal we, every, everyone in the world, like deciding, oh, this is what women do during this portion of our cycle. But mm-hmm. on the individual level, women knowing about their cycles and sort of being kind about their training plans is truly beneficial for, for training and for function. So there was a really interesting podcast that discussed a top level swimmer and a top level female climber and how, how they have sort of modified their training programs around their, their cycles. And this is, this is probably something for the really super elite top level mm-hmm. athletes to focus on because they have time and that's like their full-time job. This is probably not something that's necessarily applicable to the average roller derby athlete, but these, these top level athletes, and they don't stop training. Nothing stops these people, mm-hmm. but they do, they have, you know, through experience, through their own lived experience and their own awareness of what's going on in their bodies, they have just, you know, customized their training program to fit with their needs. So for example, on, on, 
on certain days, one athlete felt like she just didn't want to be around people as much. And so she is aware when that's kind of happening and she plans a a training session that is an individual session. Mm -hmm. So there are also some symptoms around like endurance, feeling like cardiac capacity is a little lower at certain times in the cycle. And Mm -hmm. so therefore planning on doing more resistance training at a certain point in the cycle. So that's stuff that any one person can do on their own. And while I have never, I've never been a huge fan of like blaming things on periods. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a convert about tracking cycles because it can really, it can really help you to sort of have perspective on symptoms, I think. I completely agree on the on the tracking thing. And I, I'm very much an advocate for not just like tracking in a quantitative sense of, you know, rate things on a scale or whatever, but also kind of just reflecting on where you're at and, and finding patterns in maybe how your cycle's affecting mood, how your cycle's affecting your energy levels, uh, linking things up and finding things that are useful to you. And in an ideal world, I, I hear what you're saying about like an individual training plan with the, the top level swimmer, the top level climber, but it gets more complicated in a team sport because obviously you, you can't say to your coach, well, I'm at this point in my cycle and I know that I need to do this. So can you organize the training around me? <laughs> Maybe you could if you are, maybe, you know, yeah. if, that if, if you're a megalomaniac, <laughs> if, you're, if you're like the megalomaniac in charge of the whole league. But I don't know. Maybe coaches need to develop a kind of, I guess, hormone sensitive training plan and just have <laughs> options available, you know, and, and believe people when they say, you know what, actually, I'm really struggling with pain today and I don't want to to participate in these kinds of drills. Is that OK? And not like be like, come on, you're being lazy, buck up, just grit grit your teeth and do it. Because otherwise what happens is people go, well, screw that. I'm just not going to come to training when I'm on a period. And then you you see your attendance levels drop rather than just going, okay, well, we'll try something that's that's more flexible to encourage people to keep attending practice because that's what we want isn't it we want people to turn right up. <laughs> right yeah so how I do think, we get people to come yeah. and turn up and- in a in a team sport I agree like flexibility is definitely the key and I just like when you said the word megalomaniac demands <laughs> I've just had a like horrible oh god that's me because I, I can remember several specific instances where I had just a really bad day and I was really irritable and I would you know message the coach before practice and I was like you better do a lot of cardio tonight. And, um, you know, I wasn't really (laughs) tracking. I wasn't thinking about this stuff then, but like truly for me, exercise is a tremendous release when I'm irritable. And there is probably a cyclic Mm -hmm. component to that. And I, I think if we all, if like, if, if I started paying attention to that and was like, okay, yeah, I'm really annoyed at my kids this, this Mm -hmm. week, this is that week I'm going to just play, I'm going to schedule some time into my day to do a a few more hill runs because that gets all the the gunk Mm -hmm. out. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And um, I, I have been tracking more religiously my cycles now because I, I, I was also on the coil the for coil. many, many years. And, and so it's kind of nice to know what is really going on underneath all your hormones. And so mm. now that I have periods again, I have been tracking and it's, it's totally fascinating. It's, it just makes you think a little bit more about why things are happening the way they are. And it also, for me, it's really helpful to be able to tell myself when I'm feeling really rotten to be able to say, this is only going to last a day or two. This always happens. And you know, this is maybe this is, maybe this is just how it's going to be today, but it's not going to be this way tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I highly recommend 
cycle tracking for people who haven't done it before. Yeah, it's funny you say about the, the coil and not being able to track and stuff, but I don't know if this was your experience, but my experience at first I was like, okay, the periods are gone. This is fine. But um, my partner and I refer to what we call phantom periods because the hormones are still doing some stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> around and about. And I can exactly. I can definitely notice like peaks and troughs in my energy levels, in my mood, in my patients. Yep. Um, yeah, so so I, I do wonder if if people go on the coil and, and assume that they're immune to, <laughs> to right. the vagaries of our no, hormones. Yeah, you still have ovaries, you still have hormones, you still possibly ovulate occasionally if you're on uh, something like the coil or an IUD, even if you do not have a uterus. So I actually just advised a patient recently who does not even have a uterus anymore to start doing some tracking and actually mm. use a period tracking app to track other symptoms because, you know, any cyclic hormones that physiologically female people have, they can have, you know, significant effects on our symptoms. Headaches, menstrual headaches are definitely a thing, a Mm. huge thing. Menstrual dysphoric disorder, as far as mood goes, lots and lots of of, uh, bowel symptoms as well. People with um, irritable bowel syndrome or, or just like regular old feelings of like bloating and constipation and that kind of stuff. Like knowing when in your cycle, that stuff is more common. It can, it can just help you prevent bad days. Um, So for example, for people who, who have really painful periods, I'll often recommend that they actually start taking a little bit of pain medication before their cycle even starts if they know. So that can be really helpful. You can modulate your alcohol use. You can modulate your Mm. uh, water intake if you kind of know okay this is a day it's kind of hard for me to poop um that's the kind of stuff that tracking can help you do if you're into it and again if you don't want to hear all this stuff and you don't want to know i totally get that because that 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 was me for a really really long time and if it's not affecting your function you don't have to think about it. It is kind of pain in the butt, but um it's out there if you if you want to if things aren't going great for you in your training or your life this is a place where you can take control of your body and your hormones and try to, you know, make things work just a little bit more smoothly. So, so Spanky, earlier you mentioned kind of really abnormal period symptoms and potentially life-threatening things. Can you say a little bit more about that? I know it's probably fairly rare, but it may be yeah, something of interest yeah. to some people. Another reason to track cycles is there are some diseases that, you know, changes in menstrual cycle can be the first sign of of a problem. Some of that is very pertinent, especially to athletes. So less likely in roller derby, probably because we're not a sort of weight dependent sport, like something like climbing or gymnastics or, you know, ballet. But um, there is this thing called functional hypothalamic amenorrhea which is, mm. is basically where people don't get enough calories for the amount of activity that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can imagine how that would be an issue in like a gymnast or something who has a weight, they need, they have some kind of weight limit they need to meet. And, and those women can stop having periods completely because they just don't have enough calories to support mm-hmm. that normal hormonal cycle. And that can be really dangerous. That can increase lots of risk of cardiovascular problems, osteoporosis. There, there are lots of issues with that. And so if you're not having periods at all, and you're a lower weight person or not taking in enough calories, that's something that needs to be checked out. That's, that's not a good thing. 
And then another situation in which people might see less frequent periods, so you know, only only maybe six or eight periods a year, that can be an indication of uh, another abnormality of hormones called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, and that yeah. can have some side effects as well. And so I just encourage folks, if you're having less periods than normal, please consider getting that checked out because there can be there can be serious health problems along the road. And if you'll oh, I, let me, yeah, I will I will talk about contraception at some other point because I was, that's a whole I was time. just about to say maybe there is scope for us to talk about more kind of sex and reproductive stuff in future episodes because I you, be when, as soon as you said PCOS I was thinking about um endometriosis because I, I I know a few people in the roller derby world who've really struggled to get diagnoses of endometriosis yeah. and that obviously is very pain related and yeah and affects their sport so yeah maybe if, if our listeners are interested we could do some future episodes about other OBGYN I think is what you refer to Sure. related yes. topics um so yeah this has been really interesting for me spanky because as someone who really did not i didn't talk to people at school about it i didn't really talk to my mum about it i'm although i'm sure she would have been happy to talk to me about it i've just been fed that message by socially mm-hmm. that it's just you did not talk about it and then to to join a female dominated sport and then meeting you and this is your favorite <laughs> subject has made me a lot more comfortable talking to people about the stickiness of periods. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. That's been really interesting. I hope it's been interesting to listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I hope we hope you found it interesting. We always welcome your comments, questions, suggestions for further episodes. You know, is there a particular topic? Maybe maybe something around something else gynecological or sex and reproductive we can talk about further spanky is very passionate about these topics and i always have to ask her questions uh, you can find us on our facebook and our twitter at mind body roll our website where you can find all our show notes and uh, further episodes is mindbodyroll.wordpress.com and you can email us at mind.body.rollerderby at gmail.com i've been asterisk and i've been spanky and you've been listening to mind body and roll Mind, Body, and Roll is written, produced, and hosted by Amy Toubay and Astrid Coxon, with music written and performed by the Interesting Times Gang. Find our episode notes and more at mindbodyroll.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm.